Hey, Calvary family, this is Pastor Michael Grove here on the Bible Reading app. Today is July the 6th, and we are reading through the book of Numbers. Today we'll be reading Numbers 19 through 21, so I encourage you to follow along if you can. Otherwise, just let me read this over you, and I will say a few words at the end. Hopefully this will be a blessing. But here we go, continuing in Numbers chapter 19. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, This is a requirement of the law that the Lord has commanded. Tell the Israelites to bring you a red heifer without defect or blemish that has never been under a yoke. Give it to Eleazar the priest. It is to be taken outside the camp and slaughtered in his presence. Then Eleazar the priest is to take some of its blood on his finger and sprinkle it seven times towards the front of the tent of meeting. While he watches, the heifer is to be burned, its hide, flesh, blood, and intestines. The priest is to take some cedar wood, hyssop, and scarlet wool and throw them onto the burning heifer. After that, the priest must wash his clothes and bathe himself with water. He may then come into the camp, but he will be ceremonially unclean till evening. The man who burns it must also wash his clothes and bathe with water, and he too will be unclean till evening. A man who is clean shall gather up the ashes of the heifer and put them in a ceremonially clean place outside the camp. They are to be kept by the Israelite community for use in the water of cleansing. It is for purification from sin. The man who gathers up the ashes of the heifer must also wash his clothes, and he too will be unclean till evening. This will be a lasting ordinance both for the Israelites and for the foreigners residing among them. Whoever touches a human corpse will be unclean for seven days. They must purify themselves with the water on the third day and on the seventh day. Then they will be clean. But if they do not purify themselves on the third and seventh days, they will not be clean. If they fail to purify themselves after touching a human corpse, they defile the Lord's tabernacle. They must be cut off from Israel. Because the water of cleansing has not been sprinkled on them, they are unclean. Their uncleanness remains on them. This is the law that applies when a person dies in a tent. Anyone who enters the tent and anyone who is in it will be unclean for seven days. And every open container without a lid fastened on it will be unclean. Anyone out in the open who touches someone who has been killed with a sword or someone who has died a natural death or anyone who touches a human bone or a grave will be unclean for seven days. For the unclean person, put some ashes from the burned purification offering into a jar and pour fresh water over them. Then a man who is ceremonially clean is to take some hyssop, dip it in the water, and sprinkle the tent and all the furnishings and the people who were there. He must also sprinkle anyone who has touched a human bone or a grave or anyone who has been killed or anyone who has died a natural death. The man who is clean is to sprinkle those who are unclean on the third and seventh days, and on the seventh day he is to purify them. Those who are being cleansed must wash their clothes and bathe with water, and that evening they will be clean. But if those who are unclean do not purify themselves, they must be cut off from the community because they have defiled the sanctuary of the Lord. The water of cleansing has not been sprinkled on them, and they are unclean. This is a lasting ordinance for them. 
the man who sprinkles the water of cleansing must also wash his clothes. And anyone who touches the water of cleansing will be unclean till evening. Anything that an unclean person touches becomes unclean, and anyone who touches it becomes unclean till evening. Numbers chapter 20 In the first month, the whole Israelite community arrived at the desert of Zin, and they stayed at Kadesh. There, Miriam died and was buried. Now there was no water for the community, and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. They quarreled with Moses and said, If only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. Why did you bring the Lord's community into this wilderness, that we and our livestock should die here? Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain or figs, grapevines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance to the tent of meeting and fell face down, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord said to Moses, Take the staff, and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community, so they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. These were the waters of Meribah, where the Israelites quarreled with the Lord and where he was proved holy among them. Moses sent messengers from Kadesh to the king of Edom, saying, This is what your brother Israel says. You know about all the hardships that have come on us. Our ancestors went down into Egypt, and we lived there many years. The Egyptians mistreated us and our ancestors. But when we cried out to the Lord, he heard our cry and sent an angel and brought us out of Egypt. Now we are here at Kadesh, a town on the edge of your territory. Please let us pass through your country. We will not go through any field or vineyard or drink water from any well. We will travel along the king's highway and not turn to the right or to the left until we have passed through your territory. But Edom answered, You may not pass through here. If you try, we will march out and attack you with the sword. The Israelites replied, We will go along the main road, and if we or our livestock drink any of your water, we will pay for it. We only want to pass through on foot, nothing else. Again they answered, You may not pass through. Then Edom came out against them with a large and powerful army. Since Edom refused to let them go through their territory, Israel turned away from them. The whole Israelite community set out from Kadesh and came to Mount Hor. At Mount Hor, near the border of Edom, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Aaron will be gathered to his people. He will not enter the land I give the Israelites, because both of you rebelled against my command at the waters of Meribah. Get Aaron and his son Eleazar and take them up Mount Hor. Remove Aaron's garments and put them on his son Eleazar, for Aaron will be gathered to his people. He will die there. Moses did as the Lord commanded. 
They went up Mount Hor in the sight of the whole community. Moses removed Aaron's garments and put them on his son Eleazar, and Aaron died there on top of the mountain. Then Moses and Eleazar came down from the mountain, and when the whole community learned that Aaron had died, all the Israelites mourned for him thirty days. Numbers chapter 21 When the Canaanite king of Arad, who lived in the Negev, heard that Israel was coming along the road to Atharim, he attacked the Israelites and captured some of them. Then Israel made this vow to the Lord, If you will deliver these people into our hands, we will totally destroy their cities. The Lord listened to Israel's plea and gave the Canaanites over to them. They completely destroyed them and their towns, so the place was named Hormah. They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom, but the Lord grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. The Israelites moved on and camped at Oboth. Then they set out from Oboth and camped at Ai-Abarim in the wilderness that faces Moab toward the sunrise. From there they moved on and camped in the Zered Valley. They set out from there and camped alongside the Arnon, which is in the wilderness extending into Amorite territory. The Arnon is the border of Moab between Moab and the Amorites. That is why the book of the wars of the Lord says, Zahab in Sufa, in the ravines, the Arnon, and the slopes of the ravines that lead to the settlement of Ar and lie along the border of Moab. From there they continued on to Beer, the well where the Lord said to Moses, Gather the people together, and I will give them water. Then Israel sang this song, Spring up, O well, sing about it about the well that the princess dug, that the nobles of the people sank, the nobles with scepters and staffs. Then they went from the wilderness to Matana, from Matana to Nehaliel, from Nehaliel to Bamoth, and from Bamoth to the valley of Moab, where the top of Pisgah overlooks the wasteland. Israel sent messengers to say to King Sihon, king of the Amorites, Let us pass through your country, We will not turn aside into any field or vineyard or drink water from any well. We will travel along the king's highway until we have passed through your territory. But Sihon would not let Israel pass through his territory. He mustered his entire army and marched out into the wilderness against Israel. When he reached Jehaz, he fought with Israel. Israel, however, put him to the sword and took over his land from the Arnon to the Jabbok but only as far as the Amorites, because their border was fortified. Israel captured all the cities of the Amorites and occupied them, including Heshbon and all its surrounding settlements. 
Heshbon was the city of Sihon, king of the Amorites, who had fought against the former king of Moab and had taken from him all his land as far as the Arnon. That is why the poets say, Come to Heshbon and let it be rebuilt. Let Sihon's city be restored. Fire went out from Heshbon, ablaze from the city of Sihon. It consumed Ar of Moab, the citizens of Arnon's heights. Woe to you, Moab! You are destroyed, people of Cheshmash. He has given up his sons as fugitives and his daughters as captives to Sihon, king of the Amorites. But we have overthrown them. Heshbon's dominion has been destroyed all the way to Debon. We have demolished them as far as Nophah, which extends to Medaba. So Israel settled in the land of the Amorites. After Moses had sent spies to Jazer, the Israelites captured its surrounding settlements and drove out the Amorites who were there. Then they turned and went up along the road toward Bashan. And Og, king of Bashan, and his whole army marched out to meet them in the battle of Edrei. The Lord said to Moses, Do not be afraid of him, for I have delivered him into your hands along with his whole army and his land. Do to him what you did to Sihon, king of the Amorites, who reigned in Heshbon. So they struck him down together with his sons and his whole army, leaving them no survivors, and they took possession of his land. This concludes our reading for today. Let me give you a quick thought before we end our time together. As usual, there is so much in this reading that I wish we had time to stop and talk about. But I promised you I would give you a quick word before we end our time together. So let me just settle on this. In our first chapter that we read today, in chapter 19, it starts by talking about how the priest is to be cleansed. So after sacrificing the heifer, The priest has to then wash his clothes and bathe himself with water, and it tells us that he will be ceremonially unclean till evening. This just reminds me, doing the work of the Lord isn't always a clean thing. Sometimes you get a little dirty while doing the work the Lord has called you to. What do I mean by that? You're not doing bad things, but when you do the work of the Lord, it requires you to sacrifice. It requires you to roll up your sleeves and do a little bit of work that sometimes is tiring and hard and leaves you feeling dirty. This can be anything from sitting with somebody that you've never wanted to talk to and hearing their story and listening to the bad parts that don't make sense, but still being there to encourage and love them. Or it might be as physical as going and cleaning up a neighborhood and helping remove garbage and trash and other things that are lying around. And then when you come home, you feel dirty and gross. But it is part of the sacrifice of doing the work of the Lord. Look, if Jesus was willing to come to this earth, take on human flesh, and then be covered by the sins of humanity in order to bring us life, then just maybe you and I should be willing to do some of the things that cause us to get dirty too in order to help other people. So what can you do today to help those who are in need and do the work, even if it means you getting a little sweaty, a little dirty, and a little bit tired and worn out and used? Whatever it is, go and do the work of the Lord, because I promise there's more blessing inside of that than sitting by and trying to stay clean and perfect and pretty. Oh, and one more thing, because I just can't let this one go. I've never noticed this until today's reading. 
in the first month, the whole Israelite community arrived at the desert of Zin, and they stayed at Kadesh. There, Miriam died and was buried. Now, if you don't know who Miriam is, that's Moses and Aaron's sister. She was a prophetess and was a woman of God. So I wonder what it felt like for Moses and Aaron to watch their sister die. Not only that, but we are about to read that Aaron, too, is about to die. So imagine the mental state of Moses. He's been traveling with these people, leading them. They're stubborn, stiff-necked. And his sister, the prophetess, who was right beside him the whole time, just passed away. Not only that, his brother is about to go as well. So when we read the very next verse, that God instructs Moses and Aaron to go and speak to the rock so that water comes out, yet Moses reverted back to what he did the first time and he struck the rock. When I read that and also put Moses' mental state into it, I wonder, was he just not in right mind as he did it? Was it strictly rebellion Or could he also have been overwhelmed by the people who were grumbling and complaining against Moses? And on top of that, he watched his sister pass in knowing that Aaron is also close to his time. Could it be that Moses was so overwhelmed that he failed to fully listen to the Lord and instead did what was comfortable because so many things were out of place for him? Now, I'm not suggesting they didn't sin against God, because they did. God spoke and told them exactly what to do, yet they did not do it. And if we've learned anything from the book of Numbers and from the book of Deuteronomy and Leviticus, God is very specific and has a detailed plan. So when Moses ignored that plan, he actually sinned against God in a major way. But maybe his mental health was part of the conversation Maybe everything going on around him was so overwhelming that he was unable to properly hear God. I just want to encourage you today. Our mental health does make a difference in how we're able to listen and obey God. I say this, be real with how you feel. It's one of the values I teach when I talk about family values. You have to be real with how you feel so that you can understand where you're at and be able to understand what God is saying for you. I always go back to Psalm 103.1, where David says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. I believe even after his complaints and his frustrations, in his confusion on the way life is, David is able to get back to saying this verse because he is being real with God every time we read his psalms. He has a way of cleaning out his emotions by voicing them and putting them out there for God to hear him say. Look, God already knows how he feels, so when he says them out loud, it's for his own good, in his own sake. And I believe if we can do that, it helps us honor God by being real with how we feel. It helps us remember that he's in charge and that we have to focus on him. I wonder if Moses had opportunity to do that. Would it have ended the same way for him? Now, of course, God is sovereign and God knows all things. And even Moses says, Lord, teach me to number my days that I might gain a heart of wisdom. So Moses knew that when his time came, that was up to the Lord. So I don't think he was worried about the end of his time. But I just wonder, had he been real with how he felt? Had he had time to focus and go to the Lord about his sister? 
and even have a chance to stop and talk to the Lord about the people and their grumbling, would he have ended the same way? While we can't answer for him, I can answer for you. If you will be honest with the Lord, it will bring health to you in such a deep way that you'll be able to hear him differently. I promise. Take some time to be like David, who was a man after God's own heart. No, he didn't do everything right. That's what I love about that title. In fact, he did so many things wrong. Yet every time, here's the common denominator with David. We see him confess, repent, and be able to speak openly and honestly with the Lord. And every time, he's able to get back to a spot where he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. So, may you be honest with the Lord today, and may it bring you the freedom to bless his holy name. That's all the time we have for today. I love you, and God bless.